It is the second Sunday of Advent, which means, gentlemen, there's, you still have like lots and lots of time to buy Christmas presents for your spouses or significant others. Like what, 20? I don't know how many days. Anyways, I'll leave it till the last minute. Um, speaking of shopping, though, we're going to conduct an informal JRCC poll here uh, this morning. And how many of you are familiar with those little uh, trays that are beside the register at like convenience stores and gas stations and different retail establishments, the little penny trays? You've seen those before that take a penny, have a penny? All right, so show of hands, how many of you this past calendar year have taken a penny out or have the retail establishment, the, the clerk has taken a penny out on your behalf? Okay, all right, that's good. How many of you have put a penny in over the last year? Whoa, you guys are like generous. I never put a penny in. I always take a penny out for some reason. And there's always pennies there, so it must be the rest of you that are doing the good work and kind of floating the take a penny, leave a penny concept. Uh, and so we're not approaching uh, a fiscal cliff with the have a penny, take a penny strategy. Uh, but this morning, we're changing up our usual format a little bit in terms of our teaching strategy. And we're going to do things a bit differently. And the take a penny, leave a penny concept is how I want you to think about what we're up to this morning. Because in a few short minutes, we're going to move into an open mic time where I'll come around with the microphone and we'll ask you to share some of your Christmas and Advent traditions that are meaningful and significant to you. And hopefully, as you share your Christmas traditions... With time, other people can pick up on some of those traditions for Advent and deepen our experience of Jesus together uh, this season. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up practicing Advent at all. It wasn't a word that was familiar to me. Our church, you just kind of showed up on Christmas Eve and you were expected that somehow you were ready for whatever was supposed to transpire the next day. And I'm not sure about you, but I have a hard time getting ready for big events in 24 hours. Like the turnaround time for me needs to be a little bit longer. And so Advent, uh, as a practice of the church community throughout history and the wider church family, is helpful because it extends that season of getting our hearts and our lives and our thoughts and our every aspect of our world in place so that we can meaningfully celebrate uh, Christmas. Because if I start getting ready for Christmas on December 24th, it feels like I'm trying to microwave something that should have been slow roasting for a long time and giving it a little bit of chances to kind of marinate and get into some deeper places. I just can't get my soul into a state of readiness and wonder in 24 hours. And so here at Jericho Ridge, we want to, as we do each year, practice getting ourselves ready corporately and individually and in your families and homes as well. And this is where you and your story come in. How do you get ready for Advent? What are the, the different elements? So just to be clear and steer us in the right direction, we're not talking about cultural traditions here, although some of those can be helpful. We're not talking about like shopping preparations, like, well, I do all my shopping online and have it shipped to me so I don't have to go to the mall. That's not the type of tradition that we're talking about today. We're asking you this question. What meaningful activity or practice helps you celebrate Advent? 
It doesn't have to be mystically profound, but what meaningful activity or practice helps you celebrate Advent. Some of you, as I've talked to you, have very powerful and very personal stories and activities or rituals that you've built over time that help get your heart and your home ready to celebrate Christ's birth. And so, this morning, it's time to leave those timeless pennies of wisdom on the counter for the rest of us so that we can access them and we can take your story and maybe your practice home with us today. So what I want you to do as you think about that question is think about giving public response to it and saying here is, uh, you need to describe what is it that you do so that someone who's never practiced uh, or engaged in that activity before could understand it. Explain why you do it and then describe a little bit about how it's helpful for you as an individual or as a family. Does that make sense? So I'll come around with the mic. Now, some of you are not necessarily public speakers. You're not crazy about this type of morning. Uh, So that's fine. There's a few other venues that might work for you uh, online on Facebook. If you've got your phone with you this morning, facebook.com slash Jericho Ridge. The question is up there, and you can post responses on our wall, and then other people can see it. Uh, Or if you have your phone and you have a Twitter account, if you tweet your practice, just make sure you tag it with at Jericho Ridge, and then you can put the hashtag Advent on there as well. And then we can kind of collect and um, curate your different responses to it. So there's a few options that are available for you. At certain times through the course of our morning, when it's a little bit quieter and some of the sharing has died down, then the band will lead us in some songs of reflection and that help prepare us as well. But every now and then, it might get really quiet. And there might be a little season where nobody's particularly sharing, and that's okay. We don't have to rush it. You don't have to force it. You don't have to feel like you need to break the silence in any way. I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of silence in the month of December in my life. It just rushes towards the 25th. And so silence can be a gift that you might want to just appreciate this morning a little bit. So that's what we're going to do for the rest of our time together this morning. We're just going to share... Uh, the things that you have maybe put in practice in your life. If you've seen something that is in some way uh, more visual and you want to show that, you can just wander back and talk to Trev. And if there's a website that you said, hey, this is a website that we always use because it's really helpful for us, then Trev can bring it up so that the rest of us can have a look at it. Or you may want to just post that on, online so that other people can access that and take it with them. Uh, but some of you may have some stories that you want to share Uh, with us of practices personally or as a family that help you meaningfully celebrate Advent. All right, so if you want to start, just stick your hand up. I'll come around with the microphone, and we'll kick off our morning of Christmas, sharing our Christmas traditions together. All right, introduce yourself so that people get a chance to know your name, and then uh, launch into your descriptor. My name is Al Thiessen, and my wife, Herda. And as grandparents, uh, we see our grandchildren growing up in good families, but they're very busy, and we don't think our boys are doing a very good job. 
uh, <laughs> Advent. You know we record this and put yeah, it online, yeah. right? So and they know okay. that we think this. Okay, so. all right, fair enough. <laughs> and they laugh at us already, our kids, so I mean, it doesn't really matter. But one of the things that we started a couple of years ago is having our families over on the first Advent Sunday, having a turkey dinner and making the first Advent very uh, meaningful and big, and we would give our grandkids each a present to try to get the idea that it's not all about gifts on Christmas. There's something that came, you know, the idea of getting ready ahead of time, and we hope that it'll set a tradition and something in their heads that there's something meaningful about Christmas, and even though they go to church, it's still easy for the kids to get caught up in just the gifts. Of, at least we hope that this will be something that will broaden their perspective and hopefully for our, for our adult kids as well, that they'll, they'll appreciate that as well. Yeah. Now, can I pick on you for a minute? You and have before. Okay. <laughs> or I'll put you on the spot. Okay. You have another gift-giving tradition that you've established over the last couple of years that links into the gift guide. Because um, you've said something to your family and used that gift guide, you know, I think, in an admirable way. So can I put you on the spot and ask you to share a little bit about how you go about getting some traction with the gift guide with your extended family? Well, there's two parts to that. Uh, one is in our family, they always want to buy me something. And uh, like, what are they going to buy me that I want? I just go buy myself my own stuff during <laughs> the year. So I have told them over the last number of years that if they want, and, and so it started out about, I guess, four or five years ago that they put together some money for uh, wheelchairs for Guatemala. And then I think it came with like 300 bucks that mm -hmm. they put together mm -hmm. just in the family. And so that was overwhelming. And then so they, over the years, I said, you know, just do something in my name somewhere. Uh, just put, give the money away. So that was one of the things. And then in my extended family, uh, each year somebody has an opportunity to present a uh, project for our extended family to give to. And last year it was our turn, and we picked something from the gift guide. And our family... Uh, gave $3,000 mm -hmm. from our little Christmas get-together, different yeah. families just chipping in. I guess we had done a good job of selling something <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so anyway, those are some of the things that, that we do in our family. Neat. Hey, thanks for sharing that, Al. Appreciate it. I'm going to get my exercise this morning. It's good. <laughs> okay, my name's Rebecca, and uh, what we do around gift giving is, um, you know, you have a mental amount that you're going to spend on each kid, and so I have that amount, and then we also sit down with something like the gift guide, and each child gets to pick a gift of this, the equal amount for some other child mm. somewhere else in the world, for school books or food or medical supplies or something like that. Neat. Neat. That's a great way because it makes a lot of sense, right, in their, in their mind to think and knit that together about I'm receiving, but I'm also a part of giving something meaningful. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Rebecca. Well, one of the things we're doing uh, starting this year is we're renting a donkey, and uh, we're going to uh, walk to the hospital for... Uh, <laughs> Remember, how, how is it helpful is one of the questions. So I'm, it it I'm really not, gets us in the zone I'm not debunking of, of, your tradition. <laughs> I'm just saying the donkey is not mentioned in the Bible at all. Oh, Look, it's not okay. in there. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. 
No, but uh, <laughs> but seriously, we uh, um, one of the things we do uh, Christmas uh, morning is we uh, we read the Christmas story, and that's a tradition that we started I think last year or the year before, and it'll be something that we do every year. So. My name is Danny, and um, this is maybe a little different than other people might do, but I like to research uh, Christmas traditions in order to debunk them. <laughs> so, uh, for one thing, like we're so uh, we're trying to reclaim the word Christmas, put Christ back into Christmas, but you know, I find out that it just means Christ's Mass, which is a Catholic church service, mm -hmm. and that doesn't sound very exciting to me. Um, so, rather than try to attach myself to that word, then I try to attach myself to the true meaning of what's going on around Christmas, that Jesus came to be a part of our life and his birth, and it was about being with us, not about necessarily that word. So uh, that's what I like to do is just each year, you know, attack uh, Christmas lights or Christmas trees or <laughs> whatever it is in order to have a better understanding of what the real meaning of the time is. So talk to us about how does that work in your role with Youth Unlimited, talking to kids in the high school, you know, working with them as they think about some of these, some of these aspects of life. Sure, there's a lot of people that are really angry about Christmas, mm -hmm. and then I can just say, yeah, you should be, because it's been, you know, all this pagan rituals and Solaris, and so then we actually can talk about all the different theories and, and get down to what it is that I, I celebrate with mm -hmm. my family. So. Yeah. That's great. Thanks, Danny. I thought I would grab it now until you run over there. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. Um, my name's Lindsay, and one of the things I do every Advent is work through a, like a Bible reading plan leading up to Christmas. Um, I find just like a lot of the times the reading plans will go through a lot of the prophecy in the Old Testament, and I'm not an Old Testament scholar, so to actually get it in smaller... <laughs> get it in smaller bits um, with some kind of like explanation or prayer or devotional thought um, is just really good in getting my heart ready and also builds a lot of anticipation as far as like looking forward to the actual celebration of it on the day because you know you've been getting ready for a month so I find that's been helpful for us to do. Neat. That's great. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jackie, and um, I guess you could call it a tradition. We're just starting. This is the first year, so hopefully we keep going with it. But we're reading through um, our kids' Bible and starting with the fall of man, and then we jump to Jesus' birth. But we're going right through to his resurrection because the only reason we celebrate Christmas is because he eventually dies and lives again. So we're trying to keep that the focus of why we celebrate. It's yeah, great. Thank you. Kara. And um, this year, we have started something that we tried last year, but our kids were a little bit too too young, I think, that Ruth Ellen had introduced a couple years ago, the Jesse tree. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been using, it's basically kind of like um, Lizzie was saying, just tells a story from the beginning and, and um, yeah, is constantly reflecting the, the promise that's coming, that Jesus is coming and then going to die and ri ri rise again. And it's been really yeah, really meaningful so far. And yeah, Jonas every morning is, what, what are we going to read, Mom? Are we going to read? So hopefully it'll be something that'll um, be working in our hearts and transforming us as we do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, just before 
Karis sits down. Howard and Karis, can you guys just stand up? In the gift guide, you'll see there's one picture that's just a bunch of feet. These are the feet. <laughs> this is, uh, these are the, the feet that are heading uh, across, uh, the, across the Pacific to take the good news uh, to Asia in the new year. So, and they're just at 70% of their uh, support. And so if we can help through the gift guide to kind of bump that up on both a monthly basis and on a one-time basis, that'll be a huge help to get them there. So if you have any questions about that, you can talk to uh, the two of them. Sorry, some of you were thinking about your traditions. I interrupted it with a commercial for the gift guide. (laughs) Hi, um, my name is Deb and this is Josh. And for us, I'm Menno, therefore I cook and bake. And one of the traditions around Christmas is always about the food and the big celebrations and the cooking and the prep and all the stress that goes with it. Well, about seven years ago, we moved into a new house beside Ed and Tammy, and it was one week to Christmas. So the attitude was, okay, one week, you get tree, you get food, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's unpack and make this a hallmark moment. And that wasn't working out, and we were so busy, I realized it hit Christmas Eve, and there was no way we could put on anything special. So I was digging around in a box, and all I came out with was a package of tacos. And so quickly I thought, okay, red and green peppers, Christmas tacos. Okay, and so I presented them to my son going, and he's like, there's no turkey. I go, no, we have Christmas tacos. This is better. And we had our dinner. We made it through. We got set up. But the next year, I knew it was going to be perfect. And I had the tree, and I had the turkey, and the yams, and everything else. And Josh sat down, and he looked, and it's like, Josh, what's wrong? He goes, where, where are the Christmas tacos? <laughs> I've been looking forward to Christmas tacos all week. And, and it, what it did is it changed a lot of how I prepared for Christmas. And we, we still do the Christmas tacos. Often we're away, so it may not quite meet being December 24th meal because not everybody else is on board with that. But uh, what it also did was it, it started a tide of simplicity and saying, okay, Christmas, what are some of the other stressors? And so it started with baking the, you know, making the jams, baking the homemade gifts, getting gifting back to trying to give something simple, something from the heart rather than what's on sale and what do they need? And the tacos filled an emotional need and have become part of our tradition. And it's hopefully changing things to simplify what we consider a stressful time. Then take it out. Get back to the meaning. Get back to what it's about. So I hope everyone else can enjoy their version of Christmas tacos. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, when Keith and I first moved into our house, we were excited to have neighbors because previously we lived in a basement suite and we just kind of felt like it was a bit weird to get to know your neighbors when you lived in someone else's basement. Um, and so we decided at Christmas time to do baking and bring baking to a few of our neighbors that lived closer by. Um, and we knew some of them had kids and so I bought little crafts or something they could sort of do and, and drop them by. And it's been really incredible how that has opened up doors to talking to a lot of our neighbors. There's um, two sets of neighbors who we've, one in particular who we've become quite good friends with, and I think a lot of that was due to the fact that we brought them like a little craft their kids glued together and, 
and a couple cookies. And, and a lot of the time we don't see those families much during the year because we're not, especially in the winter because you're not out as much. And so it's a good connection point um, to kind of just talk and start a relationship and, and connect with them. And we've invited them out. Usually we just happen to also bring along something mentioned in our church services, which we're yet to have anyone come to, but we're hanging on, um, that someone might come. Um, and then one other little tradition that I've started doing with Hudson, so we've had two years at it now, and we'll try again this year, um, is that Keith, of course, always comes to church on Christmas Eve sooner than I do. And so I've tried to sit down with Hudson before we come to church on Christmas Eve and read the Christmas story. And so he, the first year actually at nine months was more interested. Last year was fairly disinterested. Um, and, but it's, I thought, you know, it's, it's always going to be me and the kids at home going to Christmas Eve service. Um, and meeting up with Keith there, and so it could be kind of neat for just the just us to have our own little thing to do. And this year probably will be the worst year with Haley also and, and Hudson, but we're going to keep trying. <laughs> Good work. Uh, thanks, Melissa. Uh, Hi, I'm Lori, and uh, our family has a. Uh, a Christmas morning tradition, and we stole it from my sister-in-law, and the kids absolutely love it, and it gets them really focused on what Christmas is about. We get cupcakes or muffins, and the kids put candles in them, and they sing happy birthday, and we have a big party for Jesus' birthday. They get a little carried away, and they want to do balloons and decorate and signs and everything, and it's really cool because they share that with the neighbors, and, and uh, it's uh, time for them to be able to share about what Christmas is all about. My name is Margaret. Um, and we've tried different traditions over the years, and we still keep trying. Um, we both grew up in a culture where Santa Claus and Christmas were totally separate, and we've struggled with that. So we've often done our gifts before Christmas, even a week before Christmas or whatever, so that Christmas we go to church, and it's celebration, and it's Christmas. Um, with the kids being older, we just draw names, and we write poems. I have one gift for one person, and we write poems. So we get together and, and do that whenever we can. My favorite part of Christmas, I think, is the Handel's Messiah. Uh, and I put that on, and it starts with Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort ye my people. And it ends with that hallelujah chorus. And I just love that. Just love to listen through it all the time. And it's just very meaningful. Uh, for the kids, we have a, a little box that I bought a number of years ago. It puts up the major scene. Number one would be the baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph. The last box, it's little boxes in a bigger box. The last box is a mirror, and you see yourself, and Jesus wants you for Christmas. Mm. And I just think that's very meaningful. Neat, neat. That's a great experience, great expression. Thanks. My name's Pam, and uh, I have a couple traditions. One, when the kids were young. Um, we always went to my in-laws for uh, supper on Christmas Eve, and when we come home, they always got to open one gift that was under the tree, and it was always a pair of new pajamas. <coughs> and then we would sit around the tree and read the Christmas story before they went to bed. Then another one I've started, um, since my mom passed away, she was a single mom, and many years she didn't get any, any Christmas gifts. So when she did pass away, it was very hard. Everywhere I went, I would see all the stuff in the store that I would want to buy for her. So now I've adopted a single mom every year and done something to bless her. Mm -hmm. Neat. It's a meaningful way of carrying on that memory, too. Good mom. Yeah. yeah. 
Hi, my name's Sean. We've tried a couple of things over the last probably about 10 years. Probably about 10 years ago, I realized I was just kind of tired of the whole rat race all of Christmas. So, um, Miriam, my wife. It took you that long? Until yeah, 10 years ago? All right, all right fair enough. Fair enough. Well, often, you know, you're mature enough and you got to do a lot of present <laughs> buying, that kind of stuff. <laughs> totally. So, um, we finally just approached our family and just said, look, we're just not going to do this anymore. Um, we proposed the idea of let's take the money that we would buy for each other and then just start giving that away. So, we started doing that 10 years ago, approximately. Um, and Miriam has been pretty good at doing the uh, shoe boxes too. She would mm -hmm. take one of the nieces or nephews along um, and then just go shopping for, for other kids and do that. And another thing we did with a group of friends of ours was, um, again, find, try and find a single mom or a needy family and take the money that we would spend on each other and then put that money together and, and go and do something with it. So Neat. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Hey, I'm Jared, my wife's Ruth Ellen, and every year since we got married, we've tried to do Advent readings. Um, this is the only year that it's actually started uh, on, the, on the right day. Um, <laughs> thanks to Laura Havercroft, wherever she is, shout out to Laura for actually giving us an Advent book, because it's usually like after the first Sunday, we're like, oh, shoot, we got to go to like a Christian bookstore or something and find an Advent book. Anyway, so we started on time this year which was the first big success. But just one of the things that we've, we've noticed, so every evening we sit down, we read, we light a candle, and, and we pray. And there's two things I've found that are really beneficial for it, uh, in addition to just anticipating Christmas. I think one of them is that we have a really tough time uh, praying together. It's, it's awkward. I, don't, I didn't expect this, but it's very, very weird. I don't know if you've experienced this. Awkward to pray with people that you're really close to. Um, and so it... it has a written prayer. Great, you just read it, and that's sort of that. And that's been a great sort of segue into sort of spontaneous prayer sometimes as well, in a way that's not too scary. Um, and the second thing that I think has been really good for us, uh, or for me at least, has been that it actually gives us some common ground on which to just have some discussions about things that are important to us. Because when we get super, super busy, it just becomes, uh, it, it's very easy for the evening to become information dump time. And, and then you zone out and watch TV or you go about and clean the house or whatever it is. Um, and for us to be able to come together around a, a particular passage or a particular idea and actually spend some time talking about it together, that's been really good. Yeah. Thanks, Jared. Hi, my name is Betty Stevenson. And in our home, growing up when I was a child, we had our bedrooms on the top floor and living room, dining kitchen below, and we had to have our bed made, have our face washed, be dressed, and wait at the top of the stairs until everybody was there. So I'm not quite sure where that came from. My mother was Dutch, cleanliness related to godliness or something, I'm not sure. But then in, in our home with our children, we have, well, we sort of tried that and it didn't exactly work anymore. <laughs> but uh, we still, oh, and then, oh, and my dad would read the Christmas story. So we have followed that one at least. And we always read the Christmas story in the morning before we open the presents. And we've gotten to the point now where our grandson has sometimes helped to read the Christmas story if he's in the mood for reading it, you know. And then we've also done the singing the happy birthday and you know, trying to acknowledge to the grandchildren that it's also Jesus' birthday. And one other tradition that uh, follows upon that that uh, got from my father-in-law, um, he was uh, ethnically Scots, so 
uh, I guess it fits in with the Mennonite uh, here. Uh, he did not like spending money he didn't have to spend. <laughs> Very thrifty. And uh, <laughs> um, so he said, forget spending money on Christmas wrapping. Just wrap the newspaper. Well, I like that. So <laughs> we've added that <laughs> years ago. Uh, newspaper uh, wrapping. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I'm Larry, and um, one of the things that probably many of us have to do is go to extended family gatherings in preparation for, for Advent. And I find those to be a mixed blessing. Um, uh, let me give you one uh, uh, quick memory. Some years ago, we were in Alberta, and we did a midnight run after Christmas Eve to, uh, to come back to BC to be with family. And as we drove through the countryside, past little, little farmhouses, and you'd see the lights on and cars gathered around, and I imagined all the the perfect Christmas moments where all the families were gathering to have these perfect Christmas gatherings. And as I listened to some of these really, truly remarkable traditions that folks here have developed, it seems like, wow, people have really figured this thing out because the extended family gatherings that I go to aren't necessarily hallmark moments. Uh, We get stuck with people that we've avoided for the year. And uh, clusters of personalities that, you know, we all suddenly revert back to being kids again. And how to kind of pull this together. Um, I'm thinking of the afternoon, uh, my, the afternoon that I, uh, that's on my, on my schedule today is an extended family gathering with all of everything that I just mentioned. So, uh, Jesus came to bring peace on earth, and yet, because of Christmas, we get together and try to practice that, and it can be a challenge for some of us. I think the best thing that I'm going to remember out of the stories that I've heard today would be the Christmas taco (laughs) thing, because sometimes that's as good as you get, and you should try to just make some Christmas tacos, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Truth be told, you know, here in Langley, the next few weeks will be hell on earth for many, many, many families. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that comes with Christmas that are just real, real mixed. Mm-hmm. So let's make Christmas taco and not build it up too, too much, but try to... I Really, really, I think sometimes we do just have to maybe shut everything down and just try to relax and worship because, um, because those are really special times too. And I just especially... Uh, I have enjoyed listening to the worship here this morning. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think you bring, you bring up a good point, Larry. We're all putting our best foot forward. Like, we're sharing these fantastic traditions that, you know, we've culled from Pinterest and every other place under the sun. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of realities that, that uh, need to be paired with that as well, of how do you navigate, you know, these are little snapshots of moments. How do you navigate all of the rest of those moments? that go together to make up the season. Yeah. Hi, my name's Deb. 
Um, and going off of your story, um, one of my family traditions that my husband has made me aware of is the fact that my family uh, tends to, at every extended family gathering, have somebody yell at some point, You ruined Christmas! <laughs> and, um, and it's done uh, in that tone of voice. And... Uh, and um, because we're a little bit realistic about the fact that as a family, each one of us, particularly once it gets bigger and all of the cousins and we're all married and bring our own kids into the mix, we have our own expectations of what Christmas is going to be. And those expectations are never the same as each individual family group that comes into the mix. And so um, when those expectations go unmet, that's when the disappointment happens. And that's when we feel like Christmas has been ruined. Um, and so to be able to laugh about it is a really valuable thing. And um, Christmas is hard sometimes. And to have that opportunity to um, laugh about the thing that somebody's really angry about or hurt about, um, our relationships are healthy enough, we can do that. But there's something special about being able to laugh and move on from there and say, yep, that one, that expectation didn't get met this year, but that's okay because we are still family and we do, we do still love each other. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Deb. Hi, my name is Keith and Larry's comment sparked a thought in my mind as well. Although I feel a little ashamed because this is not my current tradition, but it's something I'd love to develop in our family in years to come. Uh, growing up, we would go to my grandma and grandpa's house pretty much every Christmas afternoon, and there was great anticipation for that. But I remember even when I was an uh, older child into my teenage years, my brother and I would bemoan the fact a little bit because we would go there. Great anticipation, family. We drew names, one gift. And quite often there would be someone else not in the family there. There would be uh, someone who had lost a spouse years ago from the church. Uh, there'd be someone who was unemployed. There'd be someone that had some sort of difficulty that my grandparents knew that they had invited, and they were literally part of the family for that day. And I remember selfishly thinking sometimes, I don't want them there. Like, I just, I want to hang out with my aunts, my uncles, and my cousins, and my grandma and grandpa, and that's what Christmas is. And it wasn't until I got to be a bit older that I just recognized how amazing that was in my grandma and grandpa to do that, to literally adopt people for Christmas. And, and it, would happen, it would happen over Thanksgiving as well and sometimes Easter. And just thinking about the Christmas story, um, just how strange, and there were so many odd parts of that story, but just thinking shepherds come to the manger, you know, and, and literally people who are complete strangers are celebrating the Christ child. And so I don't know what that looks like for you this year or in future years, but I know it's something that I have in the back of my mind that I'm hoping years to come we can have people who aren't related to us by blood, but by the story come and celebrate it together and really extend that message of hope to, to other people. Something our family does for the Advent, and when I say our family, it was Kristen's idea, so <laughs> it was led by her, but uh, she has a basket, and she's written on 24 ornaments an attribute of Jesus, and so from the December 1st on, each kid each day picks one. We 
we got the idea from a previous church we were at, and it has a couple verses that explain or show the attribute of Jesus. And we've, in, in after doing it, realized the verses aren't that good. So it's actually more fun now trying to find better verses. But, <laughs> and so the kid, we read it, we talk about that attribute. I think yesterday was uh, omniscient, which is a little hard to explain to a, a four-year-old. But also kind of cool is now that the kids get older, the older ones are explaining it to him. And so it's it's a fun family as we're growing. Me and Kristen are looking for better verses. The other kids are trying to explain to Riley what omnipresent is. And then and that actually, Mitchell had one of the best uh, examples of it and that we couldn't even explain it. So it's just a, it's a good way for the kids to, they count down to the birth of Christ by remembering what his attributes are and how they affect us and how they should affect the season as well that we're in. So yeah, that's what we do. Neat. Thanks, Trevor. That's great. Let's pray together. Father, as this season of preparation continues, Holy God who is with us, may we lean into every moment of our days to redeem the time and to make the most of our every moment. May we prepare the visible body of Christ, our community, to receive your eternal approach and your loving embrace. With our faces turned to you, we await your holy descent, and we ask, Lord, that you would hear our prayer offered in humility, that despite the roar of our days, our hearts might grow still, that glimpsing the quiet cove, we may seek you in that stillness. That resting in your presence, our hearts might be prepared to hear you. That the angel of God might visit the chambers of our hearts. That the angel of God might say to us, rejoice. That we might hear and truly respond in joy. That the angel of God might say to us, receive. And that the servant of God might respond, let it be as you say. That our hearts might be fertile places in which new life begins. That we might apprehend the infant life within. That we might embrace that infant life. That we may walk with care to bring about new birth. And that we may witness the seed of God bearing holy fruit. As the season of incarnation approaches, as we prepare to receive life himself, may we taste and see how our own lives, the life of the world, and the very breath of the universe flow to us from the Holy One made flesh. And we respond and say, Lord, hear our prayer. May you go from this place with a new tradition that you might take with you and practice and a new understanding of what generosity might look like in your life, what the peace of Christ might look like in your homes, in your relationships and conversations with others. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in God's peace.